I am Dr. Karen Becker, and I'm quite excited today that Linda has nominated Yvette for a Game Changer Award. And we're so excited to have Yvette with us this morning to tell us a little bit more about the amazing work she's doing. So welcome, Yvette, and congratulations on your Game Changer nomination. Thank you so much. I appreciate the nomination and the opportunity to talk with you and your podcast listeners about what Little Angels Project is all about. Well, we are so excited to learn more. I did visit your website and you're doing amazing things. Yvette, back up and tell our listeners and readers a little bit about how this project, how you became involved and and how this unfolded for you. Well, I became involved. I've been in the humane community for over 30 years. So I have done everything from... Uh, trap, spay, neuter, release, to foster and adoption. And the opportunity came up to join a, a brand new program aimed at helping the public retain their pets during challenging times, um, whether those times are something like a pandemic that wasn't expected or a fire or an earthquake. The concept was we all need a little help sometimes and the ability to provide financial resources or medical care to our pets so that they're not surrendered for medical need keeps the pets from being surrendered and potentially euthanized in a shelter as well as keeps them where they're loved. So it's a program aimed at retention. It's so, I got goosebumps when you were uh, talking about this. It is such a beautiful concept and so needed because animals need to be with their beloved family. Beloved families need, those animals are an integral part of that family structure. And yet, as you mentioned, bad things happen to really good people often and outside of their control. And so after this was this amazing concept, Yvette, how did it, how did it unfold or, or how, how is the organization, um, How did you lay it out in order to accomplish the goal and the mission? Well, it was set out by my boss, uh, Darlene Hernandez-Geeky, who is an RVT. She has always had a passion for animals. In fact, um, she is now going back to school to become a DVM. So that's kind of exciting to, to see her being an inspiration and changing professions at at this point. But the concept was, how do we help people in a way that's impactful? People will say, well, I'll donate food or, um, you know, I'll contribute towards spay neuter, but those aren't the only reasons why animals get surrendered to shelters. They get surrendered because maybe they have an eye infection that the, the owner can't treat. They can't afford the medication or the vet visit. Um, Perhaps they need just uh, vaccinations. And it's again, we've had a pandemic or they're on a fixed income and they can't afford it. So we rolled out a concept that basically started with our disaster response program. During the Woolsey fire, during the Ridgecrest earthquake, we rolled out professionals, vets and vet techs, to help process animals uh, for care. And it didn't matter whether that was related to the incident or not, just to provide the care 
so that they stayed with their owners and stayed healthy. We took that concept and said, how can we roll it out bigger? And it was getting a medical response vehicle that we can set up a tent system to basically provide care to people in their communities that they needed either at low cost or no cost. So there are three of us involved, Darlene, my co-partner in this, uh, Sabrina Langford, who is the program manager, and then I am the outreach coordinator. So I obtain locations for us to have the clinics in. We'll see anywhere from 25 to 50 pets in the clinics on a given Saturday. And that's all care that people otherwise couldn't afford. We focus on the areas of seniors, our veterans who both have pets, but also uh, assistance animals, whether those are for PTSD or other needs. Uh, we focus on low income, uh, victims of domestic violence who, in order to get into a domestic violence shelter with a pet, the pets have to be vetted. And often they leave with the clothes on their back if they have a child or a pet and that's it. So they need that help immediately to get into that center we will do the vetting of the animals. We go out mobile. And also for the homeless population, uh, we've seen a cropping up of a lot of tiny home communities. And in order to be in that community, again, they have to have the animals vetted. And the important part of their having that animal is it takes the focus off their homelessness, their addiction, whatever their issue is that put them in the crisis of being on the streets they now are responsible for another being. And as a result of that, they tend to seek out more help and get back into society as productive. All of those things, so incredibly important and valuable. And you have set up, you have built, you and your team together collectively, you built a system that is functionally serving communities in crisis and need and in dire circumstances. It's so important. It's so beautiful and it's so necessary. So I will, I can only imagine people are going to hear this. And in my situation, they're going to say, A, how can we template this for other communities? But B, oh my gosh, I know someone who desperately needs this. So talk to me about the area that you're currently serving. We currently are assisting directly in Ventura and Los Angeles County. Those are the areas that we go out with our mobile unit and set up. We pre-schedule appointments. We use a lot of social media outreach, community outreach. Sorry, there's I know, a I love that. to be on camera. Please, please, <laughs> please, please, let, please let the kitty um, join right in. I love she, this. She just wants to be a star. She actually came to me during the Woolsey fire. Um, I, I had a person bring her to me. She was just a young kitten. And it was one of those, well, I think I'll uh, foster her until this disaster's over and then adopt her out. And then I predominantly have taken in my home seniors and special medical needs. And once they adopted her, they were like, nope. She's not leaving. She's staying with us. So, but she's a camera hog. She likes to be on camera. 
Well, I think she deserves every minute and that's, that's beautiful um, that, that you are taking in those animals that otherwise would not probably be placed. So, so Yvette, um, back to the community, uh, my gosh, the need I, in that area is overwhelming, I'm well aware. Uh, and I can only imagine that you, do, do you have, a, do you have volunteers that will come and help? I could assume that the, the applications or people looking to get into the program is the need is greater than your ability to care for everyone that needs your help. Do you work on a, with a system of volunteers or how do you accomplish so much? I do. Um, what what we have are veterinarians who volunteer their time, vet techs who volunteer their time. Um, we do also have a resource of per diem vets that will uh, hire as needed if we do not have a volunteer. We try to do two to three of these clinics a month so that we can reach as many people as possible. Uh, it's impossible to reach everybody. And you had said about a template to roll out. The key is finding the personnel right now. I know there's a lot of burnout in the veterinary profession and they're putting in long, hard hours at work. Do they wanna give the extra time? Uh, so we rely on many veterinarians who have become semi-retired but still licensed or they are retired and still licensed and they want to give back to communities and they see the value of the work because these animals get treated and stay with their families versus ending up in a shelter or a rescue and typically if they are surrendered to a shelter with medical needs if a rescue doesn't pull them they're euthanized so why not save them, keep them with where they're loved and cared for, yes. but just family can't afford right now. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's such a, when I say a simple intervention, it's such a, it's, it's, it's elegantly simple in the fact that the, the animal wants something more to stay with the family that they know and love. And oftentimes for people in crisis, animals are their lifeline that prevent them from thinking irrationally or yeah. losing hope, falling into depression. Animals are amazing in, in terms of emotional glue. And so the best thing that could happen is intervention for the animal's medical care and allow that family unit included with dogs and cats to be um, perpetually allowed to go forward. That's the service you're providing. It's, it's truly invaluable. So I have to ask, what do you love most about this amazing work that you're doing? I think the ability to make a difference in a figure that, that's kind of sad, 20% of animals are surrendered for medical need. And of that 20%, 80% generally end up euthanized. So if an animal is loved, cared for, but for whatever reason, you can't afford the medical care there isn't a PPO really that you join to take your pets uh, for care. So how do you approach a problem that you're dealing with lives that impact other people's lives? Exactly what you said that through the pandemic, uh, people who might have otherwise been depressed had the company and love of an animal versus feeling isolated. Uh, so it, it, for me, it's, it's seeing that senior citizen who said, I'm on a fixed income. 
I've been isolated. My pet means the world to me. You've helped me in a way that I can't even repay. Uh, we provide all the medication in addition to the exam. If there's any kind of surgery that needs to be done, we help contribute towards that. And it's, it's the interaction with the people. It's knowing that a veteran whose PTSD dog needed care and he could not afford it, that he got that care and he, we, we sat and cried with him because he said, this dog means the world to me. He is my family. He understands my needs and I couldn't afford to, to provide him what he needed. So it's that interaction. Um, we are a nonprofit. We rely on grants and public donations. So in terms of the other side, um, I, I don't enjoy the begging for money, Yeah, but it sure is rewarding when somebody grasps the concept of, wow, this makes an impact in that surrender and euthanization number in a way that hadn't previously been addressed. We tend to think spay-neuter, 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 super important, but that's one aspect of both overpopulation in the shelters and need from the yes. shelters. Yes. And on the flip side of that, I agree with you, sterilization, sterilization, nothing should be giving birth, um, you know, uh, plant. Uh, but those are animals that would be coming up for adoption. You are helping to hold together already intact, bonded, loved family members yeah. that because of a medical condition would otherwise be not just separated, but potentially unnecessarily euthanized. That is actually, yes, the surgery or ear medication or a dental or whatever medical interventions necessary, a few hundred, maybe a, you know, a hundred dollars up to maybe thousands, but what you're offering in terms of keeping that family unit intact is actually priceless. It's priceless. Yes. So um, I get the not wanting to talk about the money part of it, but because you are a nonprofit, with, if people don't donate, your services cease to exist. So I will advocate for Little Angels right now. If people listening to this are moved by the work that you are doing and have some cash to donate, where would they go to make that donation event? They can go to our website, uh, littleangelsproject.org. They can make a donation that way. Uh, we actually, for those in Southern California, we're having a huge fundraiser in October. We are looking to buy a mobile surgical vehicle to be able to do the dentals and mass removals right there out in the community so that we can help with that impact. So they, they can definitely go to our website, follow us on Facebook, uh, learn what we do and how they can contribute right there on our Facebook page. And, you know, we, we always welcome people spreading the word of our, our events. Uh, we put it on social media and, and I, as a 60 something find not as many in my age group are on social media. So we also have a lot of folks that do canvassing. They'll go to senior centers and leave flyers, or they'll go to veteran centers and leave flyers so that they know there's help available if they want it such important work my goodness invaluable if you could tell the world one thing that if, if there's one thing you want the world to know what would it be 
we need to think of our pets as family members, not property. We still see a lot of it uh, as far as resources and assistance. They say, well, it's just a pet. It's not a lamp or a table. It's a living being that we love and care about. And I'd like to see more people embrace the concept that they are an, an absolute loving contribution to our lives and should have the access to care the same way humans do. The good news is on my platform, this interview, every single person listening to this has selected, I want to listen because they are passionate, empowered pet parents that feel like you and I do. What I would add to, to what you said, which is all true, we want the world that doesn't recognize how important animals are to step up and recognize they're living sentient beings that need medical care and love. And if we don't intervene for them, they literally are helpless. On top of that, we, um, every human who loves an animal with their whole heart has the right to, to have that animal be well, regardless of their financial status. Yeah. So it's not that only the rich get animals that fill their soul and nourish them emotionally and in ways that other things, the whole world can't. Everyone deserves that has experienced that love of an animal deserves to keep that animal in their life for as long as possible. And what your organization is doing is allowing that to happen when finances would have been, or trauma would have been a situation for removing that lifeline of an animal from that family unit that's already struggling so profoundly. So you, you're doing just an amazing job of bringing medical care to the people who need it most. And what a beautiful concept, what a beautiful organization. And I'm so very thankful that Linda took the time to nominate you and your organization for a Game Changer Award. I couldn't be more proud of the work that you're doing. And thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for what you're doing. Thank you, Dr. Becker, for letting the world know what we're doing, how they can help and for being a part of the solution of providing needed care versus saying, what can I do? Here's where you can take action. You can support organizations like ours to provide that care.